Hey, everybody. It is Trags Mike Petralia back with the season ending episode of Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network, powered by our good friends, our exclusive online gaming partners, betonline.ag. Back with me once again to look back on the 2022 failed Red Sox season is the one and only Alex Barth. Follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth all one word. Of course, you can follow his tremendous work covering all things Boston sports at 98.5, the sports hub.com. Alex, how are you doing, buddy? I, I know you have gotten over. Let's just be honest. You've gotten over COVID and you're getting better and better. Correct? Yes. Yes, I am. That's good. Uh, to anybody know. who listened to Patriots beat on Tuesday, my voice should sound uh, night and day better than it did then. I appreciate we all appreciate you going the extra mile and obviously in all sincerity we want you to be better and be ready to go because you've got a busy busy fall ahead of you but looking back on the 2022 uh, Red Sox not a lot of bright spots obviously they weren't consistent enough we saw them really exposed in their matchup uh, recently against the New York Yankees they couldn't generate any offenses everybody and their brother was watching the Aaron Judge countdown to 61 and eventually 62 we think um obviously Aaron Judge uh, tied that mark uh this week in Toronto uh I think he's going to get to 62 eventually in this final week of the season but the way the Yankees pitched the Red Sox and they were able to really keep them in control the whole four game series a four game series sweep to me is indicative of how the Red Sox need to build depth uh in their lineup coming in the offseason yeah, they, they you know, it, it's kind of gotten short on them quickly here. Guys, they expect to produce, not producing even guys. You know, when I say that, it's not as simple as guys maybe hitting, not not hitting the average they want, but a guy like J.D. Martinez hitting 13 right. home runs, right? You're expecting for more than that. So yes. they, they need to get some more. First, they need to keep their star bass. They need to get some more consistency around those guys to support those guys. I don't think there's any question about that. And. How do you read Alex Verdugo? I go back on Alex Verdugo, and I've, I've told this to other people we've had on the Red Sox Beat uh, podcast, Ian Brown for one. He is a tricky one to kind of figure out, I think. Yeah, to me, I think I said this last time I was on with you. He's sort of like a less volatile version of Jackie Bradley Jr. And what I mean by yeah. that is, like, when Jackie Bradley Jr. is on, he's on. He's I mean, an amazing hitter, but that's may, a month, maybe two during the season. Besides that, his offensive impact's negligible. He's going to hit in like the 170s. Verdugo's not going to get down there. He'll, he'll give you 210, 220. But there's like a month or two during the season, sometimes consecutively, sometimes not, where he just locks in and gets incredibly hot. And I think if you have a solid, let's call it three, four, five, six in your lineup, you can afford to have a guy like that. You look at what Bradley did for the 18 Red Sox. So they had, you know, Bogart's endeavors and Martinez was doing his thing. And uh, they added Schwarber at the end of the year. They were or not Schwarber, um, uh, Steve Pierce at the end of the year. They're yes. right. Like World Series MVP, could, Steve Pierce. I might right. They could they could afford to kind of have that guy who, hey, if he gives us something today, great. If not, eh, there, there's at least some defensive value there. Um, and, and, and Verdugo, the defensive value isn't as extreme, but I actually think he, he's a little underrated as an outfielder. Uh, he's got a great arm, uh, and and you see him get to maybe a couple more balls than he should. But you know, if if Bogarts is going to go, and, and and the idea is for Verdugo to replace him in the middle of the lineup, and Story's going to continue to hit, you know, two sixty five, 
that's not going to be enough. So I like Verdugo in the right situation. I just worry about them putting more on his plate than they probably realistically should. I think that's fair. Verdugo, two for four on Wednesday night. He had a home run, two RBIs, hit an RBI single in the first to give the Red Sox the one nothing lead. Uh, then the solo bomb in the sixth to extend the Red Sox lead, the three zip. He extended his active hitting streak to eight games. Over that period, uh, Alex, he is hitting 333, 11 for 33. He's eight for 20 with four runs scored, five extra base hits, three home runs, and seven RBIs over his last five games. The reason I bring all of that up is I think the Red Sox see enough in him to stick with him and not move him. I don't think he is a piece they're going to consider moving in the offseason. Uh, in an offseason, yeah. I think Alex is going to be filled with lots and lots of movement. Um, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum. What do they do with Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts? Is this the final week of uh, Xander Bogarts in a Red Sox uniform? L let's just jump right there. Do you think it is? Well, I would just I, real quick on, on Verdugo, too. I think yeah. there's, you know, the circumstances in which they acquired him, I think, impact their ability to move him or lack thereof. You can't trade the guy you traded Mookie Betts for in, you know, in an Andrew Benintendi type they, of deal, right? I don't think right? they look at it that way, though. Oh, no. they look at it that way. That mm -hmm. team, uh, they they are, they, they. I think they're pretty well. They're bad at managing it, but they, they try, yeah, but they try to be aware of the image. I don't think they're very good at being aware of the image, but I think it's something they're conscious of. Uh, as for Xander Bogarts, I, I do think it's his last, last week with the Red Sox. Uh, I do, you know. To me, the Trevor story signing, as, as much as we we all want to think about how great the idea would be of an infield with Dalbeck, Story, Bogarts, and Devers, uh, I, I think the Trevor story signing, uh, as what did I say? Uh, Dalbeck. Did I say Dalbeck? Okay, Cassis. Sorry, I was reading off the uh, the base the uh, baseball reference page here. Yes, Cassis, yeah. Story, Bogarts, and Devers. As much as we would all love that infield, the Trevor story signing telegraphed it to me. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair take. I think it's a very logical take that uh, the Red Sox were preparing uh, for life after uh, Xander Bogarts. I think they anticipate him uh, opting out, and I don't think they want to pay both Bogarts and uh, Raphael Devers and Trevor Story. I just don't think they want that much money loaded up on the infield. That's never been the way that um, Heim Bloom, uh, the baseball executive officer, chief baseball officer of the Red Sox has ever operated. And I, even with John Henry running the ship, I think John Henry, we go back, we've talked about this many, many times that John Henry did bring Heim Bloom in to run a different baseball model and get the expenses down somewhat and see if the Red Sox could be more efficient instead of just throwing money at every single problem. Now, th that doesn't mean the Red Sox aren't capable of spending lots of money and their payrolls, I think, always going to be north of $200 million. But I think John Henry wants to see if Heim Bloom can actually see this to fruition. First couple of years of Heim Bloom's uh, operation here in Boston has not been very, uh, I would say, efficient, effective. What say you? I, I think I've seen enough, and I would hope John Henry's seen enough. And we talked about this when we did the deadline shows, right? You didn't have to love the plan early in the season, but it did feel as though there was a plan. Some of the moves he made at the deadline seemed to eschew that plan entirely. So now it's like, okay, well, 
you're not doing the big market te- team thing, which kind of figured that that's you didn't hire high and bloom to, to go burn up the checkbook, but you're not doing the Tampa plan either. Right. It's a sort of weird in between thing where you just seem to be throwing as much good money after bad as you can and seeing where you, where, where you strike oil. That's not, you know, at least the, the, the idea of the Tampa plan is to keep the spending down. Bloom hasn't even done that. His idea seems to just be one man's trash is another man's treasure. So let me get as much trash as I can, because the more I get, the higher the odds that there'll be treasure in there. Like, and that's just doesn't work. You can't, you can't do that. So I think it's time to spend. I have no problem with Bloom being in charge of the spending. Uh, I, I think he has done a good job identifying pitching talent. I'll give him that, but he's, he's got to start cutting checks in the lineup, pure and simple. He's got to start cutting checks in the lineup. I don't think he can, he can tinker around anymore with, with Trevor Shaw or uh, uh, Travis Shaw, Eric Hosmer, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. You can't keep tinkering around with these guys anymore. You got to get established players. Tommy Pham. He is not back next year. You think he's free agent. He's going to move on. I, I, he's a fascinating player to me because I actually think he can give the Red Sox some energy in that clubhouse and they love his arm. He's got a very, he had recorded his 15th outfield assist uh, in Wednesday's win over the Orioles. Um, he's got some pop and I just, I wonder if they keep him around as, you know, either a utility player or somebody who can um, be a spot starter in the outfield. Yeah. If he's the fourth outfielder, right. If it's, you know, Verdugo's back and we know Enrique Hernandez is going to be back. They get another established outfielder in an established designated hitter. And he's back as kind of just like that floater, you know, extra outfielder DH. That makes sense. Like, I don't think he's a bad player in that role that that works, but the problem, what they did last year was they either didn't add the fourth outfielder or they didn't add the third and just kind of waited to see what would happen and we're like, well, we have bridge guys in the meantime. And then by the time they actually found a guy, it was too late. The season was over. Like, that's what they can't do. I'm fine if Tommy Pham is back off the bench. He'd be a great player in that role. Maybe you platoon him. But I, I, I worry that they bring him back and say, all right, well, we need four outfielders on the roster. We have four outfielders on the roster. Maybe they're not all starting caliber, but hey, it's taken care of. Let's see if this works before we spend any more money. They can't do that. Like that's that's the same crap they've been doing the last couple of years that's gotten them in this spot. He is Alex Barth, does an amazing job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sportshub.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at real Alex Barth, all one word. Football is back and bet online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events Bet MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and yes, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag now to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Well, head on over there after this um, wonderful podcast that we're doing right now on the Boston Red Sox. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online 
where the game starts. Back with Alex Barth of 98.5, the Sports Hub. Want to get to Tristan Cassis because I think he is a fascinating prospect for the Red Sox. I think he's legit. He is uh, regarded as um, their top prospect uh, in the organization, and I think he's been everything uh, that I think a lot of Red Sox fans expected uh, when they called him up early in December, early in September. And I think uh, Tristan Cassis is not only a left-handed power hitting first baseman, he can hit the other way. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Cassis uh, with the Red Sox, Alex. Yeah, they, you know, he's really their first raw power prospect since Devers. And they, you know, just playing 81 games a year in Fenway Park, you need guys like that. So who can hit they the other first. Yes. Right. They haven't had a first baseman in a while as well, like a true first baseman in a while as well. He feels like he just checks a lot of the boxes they haven't checked in a while. So exciting to see. I mean, he has 11 hits in, uh, I think it's like 15 games, 21 games. He has 11 hits in 21 games, but 10 of those or five of those 11 are home runs. So, yep. you know, plate discipline is always sort of the last thing to come along. We, we saw Raphael Devers, right? He struck out yep. a ton, yep. a ton early in his career. So, you kind of hope he gets in the lab this winter, works on that. But so far, I would say, I know people point at the average. It's under 200 right now. How are you getting excited about that? I would say so far he's done about, you know, what, what you would have hoped. I wouldn't so, say he's gone beyond that, but he's done about what you would have hoped. When he makes contact, I, I just like his swing. It's like, yeah. as you said, it's absolutely designed for Fenway Park. Um, give him a chance to you know, adjust to major league pitching. I think he's going to be finally the answer at first base. Look, I mean, he, it could be another Bobby Dahlbeck all over again, but I just don't get the sense that they feel um, he's going to be overwhelmed by it. I would expect, and I anticipate him being the starting first baseman in 2023. You. He'd better be. I, I, <laughs> and the reason I say I, I don't expect is because, Trags and, and I'll, I'll I don't know if you want to talk about Brian Bayo, but I'll throw by well, Brian Bayo in this too because you want absolutely. Bayo. I, I would say Bayo's also been you know an exciting prospect and yep. he won't be a rookie next year, he just passed the innings limit. But I feel safe in saying I don't know that he's your ace next year, but top three guy in the rotation, right? So, but what I'd say is we've seen them so much, and this goes I mean, this goes back before Bloom. This was a Dombrowski thing, I mean, it even goes back to to Charrington a little bit, just dink around with their prospects and platoon guys. And you got guys bouncing back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation and don't just, just for once don't Tristan Cass is starting first base, but no platoon. Don't move right. him over to third base. Don't try to put him in the outfield. Maybe I guess DH him if you really want, but nothing more than that every day in the lineup in Brian Bayo. Give him his spot in the rotation every five days. No, you know, as a bridge guy on a, on a bullpen Correct. day. No, hey, well, we right. want to see if he's a closer. No. Let those guys play this. Those guys should be your first baseman and top-end starter for 10, 15 years, assuming the Red Sox actually pay them. Let them play the positions that they should realistically play for the next decade. I like that. I like that take, Alex. You have a lot of hot takes, but I think that is a very solid take on both of them. I had the chance to watch Brian Bayo uh, live and in person in Cincinnati uh, when he pitched, uh, actually earned his second win of the year uh, when the Red Sox beat the Reds 5-3. It was a couple of Tuesdays ago. And the thing that struck me about Brian Bayo is 
he's hittable, but he keeps the ball down and he's going to keep the ball in the ballpark for the most part. And um, he's got to get an out pitch. He's got to develop that because it was hard for him that night to put batters away. And he pitched a contact quite a bit. And a lot of these characteristics are, are what Red Sox fans have seen from him uh, to start his career in Boston. Yeah, yeah, he's been. And again, it's it's one of those things, like I said, with Cassis, where the parts you expect to be there are there. The parts of his game you expect to be there are there. It's things that come along a little later. You know, I, I think some of his, and I don't want to say pitch selection because that's, ultimately on the catcher calling the game, but, you know, went to, went to shake the catcher off, went to not like that sort of thing, just getting a feel for hitters. You you can see that almost in real time coming along this year, you go back to his first start where his changeup, which is his best pitch. It really didn't feel he had a ton of command of. And now here we are, whatever it is, three months later. Right. And it, it does look like one of his best pitches. So it's the same thing, which is patience. I just hope that they're actually patient and they don't again, start, start tinkering with things. Okay, we're going to finish up on, uh, I think, what's going to be the key to the 2023 Red Sox. What does Heim Bloom do with the rotation next year? I just think there are so many question marks heading into next year, and I'm not of the belief that Chris Sale is going to be your ace. You aren't either, are you? No, I, I wasn't this year. There were people counting on that this year, Trags, remember? Yeah. And I was, I was telling you back in December, anything you get from Chris Sale, and it'd be great if you did, Anything you get from Chris Sale's gravy, you have to go in expecting nothing. And whether he gives you one start, 10 starts, no starts, he's just coming out of the bullpen, which he should have been doing this year and should do next year if he's healthy. Whatever it is, nice, nice. Got a little cherry on top, a little, little more than you expected. You can't expect a single inning from the guy. You just can't. To me, it's, it's, it's you know, Bayo, Pavetta in the middle of the rotation. They need to go out and get a real ace. I And, and they're going to be tempted to re-sign Nathan Avaldi. And look, Nathan avaldi has been good, but he's very inconsistent and he gets hurt a lot. That's a budget ace. They, you know, Carlos Rondon is expected to opt out in San Francisco. That's a guy I really wanted them to get last year. He's been right. good out there. I, I you know, I, I would hope that they, you know, re-explore that this offseason. And then, so, all right, you have Rondon or whoever at the one. I think if Pavet and Bayo are your two or three, that's fine. If you sign another R, maybe then you bring Evaldi back, and now you're spending a lot of money. But, you know, we can humor ourselves here. And, and, and you know, then Bayo and, and Pavetta are your three and four in whatever order, fine. If you want to sign one veteran and say, hey, maybe this guy, you know, or, or multiple veterans. Or Rich sign Hill, guys, who but the idea is 43 on March 11th. If you want to have one spot, for the AARP club, you can do that. I think it's, it, look, if, maybe, if you're going to do that, let me jump in here. If you're going to yeah. do that, you do it with Rich Hill because. Well, no, you, don't you do it with Michael Waka? Well, oh, no, I, I think Waka, you bring back, he's not that old. I think Michael like is what? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, look him up. We have time here. Oh, he's 31. Okay. Yeah, All right. See? Fair enough. Fair what enough. What are you talking about? Bringing what so so maybe walk is that other guy you bring back. I yep. just first off sign enough pitchers last year, and this goes back to what I said before about the outfielders. They're like, well, we have enough, and we'll figure it out. And then they never figured it out. Correct. Including Sale, they had five 
starters with major league experience. That's not enough. It takes 10 on average at a minimum. When I say minimum average, like the average over the years of the minimum number of starters a team uses to get through a season. And look, you might have a bullpen day or two. You figure a guy like Brian Mott is going to make his debut next year. Yep. I think like seven is a safe number. Eight guys with major league experience, not five. So you got your ace. You got the two guys you have. One flex spot for like an actual pitcher, whether that's Michael Wakas, another free agent. You want to do the old guy that High and Bloom just pulls it out of a dumpster fine. Sign <laughs> multiple guys to compete for that role, not just one who you assume is going to take it. And then sign depth pitching. And I, I, Trags, I cannot believe I have to say this. But I'm going to put this qualifier on this. Sign pitchers with functioning elbows. Sign pitchers whose elbows work. And yep. you're, you, you might be saying, what is he talking about? Let's not forget, instead of signing any of the, I don't can I say hundreds of eligible players, human beings with elbows that functioned last year, they gave James Paxson $10 million yeah, to not pitch up. when they yeah. desperately needed a pitcher. And look, maybe James Paxson signing works out to the Boston Red Sox. You can sign a guy in James Paxson, who's maybe a, a two or three year project and sign a guy with, again, can't believe I have to say it, a functioning elbow. I keep going back to um, um, Johnny Cueto. Yes. Had a great, he was having a great That's year. That's actually a great point. available, checked all their boxes. By, by the way, checked a box they didn't have. His elbow worked. <laughs> they didn't sign him. They went with James Pax instead. It shouldn't be one or the other. Please have enough pitchers with healthy arms. If, it's, 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 it, I, I shouldn't have to scream for it, but that's where we're at with this team. If the Red Sox were serious about doing that, I think they would have traded for Luis Castillo and then signed him to an extension. He loved Boston. He would have been a perfect fit. He would have been, I kept saying this, Pedro 2.0. They didn't go that direction, and I think that's a little concerning for Red Sox fans, but we'll see how that turns out. I uh, want to wrap it up here, Alex. Anything else on your mind for next year? I'd love to see Christian Vasquez back. Yeah, that's a great call. Free agency. Great call. Uh, you know, I, I I think it would be – High and Bloom needs, needs to mend things between, you know, the front office and the locker room, especially if Xander Bogart doesn't come back. Vasquez, when he was traded, was asked about, that you know, would he come back to Boston – said there were no hard feelings. Look, maybe things have changed in the couple of months since, but if he's open to it, I, I doubt it would, you know, they need a catcher. They they need a catcher. Connor Wong's not, if he's the backup, whatever, but he's not a starting catcher. He's not been bad, Alex. He's not been bad. He's been uh, serviceable. He's, he is a serviceable part of their roster next year if they choose to bring him back. I for But for what they're going to cost to bring him back, what it's going to cost them? Sorry to bring him back. Spend a little extra, get Christian Vasquez back. You're no, not going to have to break the bank. And fair it enough. But I mean, uh, to see Christian Vasquez and Reese McGuire or Kevin Plawecki, um, I, I think you know they'll figure that out. Sure. All right. On that note, uh, on a Kevin Plawecki, Christian Vasquez, um, Reese McGuire. Uh, note I want to wrap up uh, the 2022 season it's been a disappointment certainly for the Red Sox they will finish with a losing record um, second time in three years obviously uh, the if we're including the pandemic season it's been a rough year the Red Sox need to rebuild and I just want to thank uh, Alex for being there all season long here on the 
Red Sox beat powered by the CLNS Media Network and betonline.ag, our exclusive online gaming partner. Alex, take care of yourself. Thanks for having me. Yeah, th- and and recover quickly from COVID. I, I'm Thank you. Thank you. You are much, much better. He's Alex Barth. I'm Mike Petralia. For our executive producers, John Zanis and Nick Gelso, I want to thank everybody for downloading this episode of the Red Sox Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network. <laughs>